Welcome to The Readings Podcast, a celebration of books. I'm Nico Callaghan. Today's episode is the third instalment of The Comics Question. In these podcasts, Bernard Callio and I discuss comics, graphic novels, and the place they inhabit within the broader books and publishing world. Bernard and I sat down with Stephen Christie, writer and artist, to discuss, among other things, his publications Arrowheads and Turtlenecks. Here's Bernard to introduce Stephen Christie. I'm Bernard Callio, a hopeless lover of comics, and I get the chance in this part of the Readings Podcast to talk to comic book creators, publishers, thinkers, and today I'm talking to someone who's all three of those things, a comic book maker and a comic book publisher and a comic book thinker. It's a great delight to be speaking to Stephen Christie when I came across his book, Turtlenecks. I was astonished. I laughed a lot and really loved it. So it's a great opportunity for me to talk to him and for you to listen to what Stephen Christie has to say about comics and his comics in particular. Stephen, welcome to The Comics Question. Hey, thank you. Pleasure to be here. I want to get a bit of a backstory of how particularly Turtlenecks came about, but I want to get some background first. So you are from Western Australia. I am, yeah. I'm from Albany in West Australia, so on the very, like, bottom south tip. So mm-hmm. very isolated but beautiful part of the world. And when you're growing up in Albany, do comics make it there? Do you, do you, do you get comics in Albany, West Australia? Yeah, I've been thinking about this and, like, no, there's not a comic store, but we did have, like, news agents, so you could get, like, phantom comics and you could get... Actually, I read a lot of, like, K-Zone magazine, yes. which I don't think anyone really talks about when they do comics interviews, is how um, how much, like, Disney Adventures and K-Zone we all read, which is just a real, like, mishmash of comics that you get through that. Like, a Pepper Ann comic, and then you might get, like, Yozagi Yojimbo, that, yes. that one. Really? I was reading, that in there? I remember reading it, oh like, gosh. the first issue, and I was like, okay, what's this? Like, yes. yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. In one of those. I'm not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And we, did you do you remember if you got any of Dylan Naylor's work in in those? Like maybe I absorbed it, yes. and if you showed me it, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, <all laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Reading comics as a kid because they're sort of they come from like you know I I wasn't anyway really aware of authors at mm. all. It was like they were leaves that fell from the tree. Yeah, they, they weren't they weren't natural objects or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I remember reading a lot of where's. Wally as yeah, well yes. as a comic. I feel like single page, like masterpieces. Yes. Just like storytelling and you kind of, yeah, you kind of read it as a comic almost. Very much. And, yeah. and Where's Wally does have that sort of clear line, that sort of yeah. Tintin sort of outline, which I really detect yeah. uh, obviously in your, in your comics oh, as thanks. well. Yeah. yeah we yeah. had um, like Asterix and Obelix as well. And at yeah, the library Tintin. or? Yeah, at the library we'd have that, but I don't think we just didn't have like the graphic novels that they have now. Yes, like, yes. like comics are just libraries love comics, mm. which is awesome, mm. and I'm so jealous of that. But yeah, we had a very small selection. But I think I, I read Bone over and over again, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, but you weren't expecting yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So yeah. Bone, and so then as you're going through school, you do a lot of drawing of your your clothes because you go to art school eventually. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of drawing growing up and just constantly basically just filled out journals, drew friends. And then basically by the time I was finishing high school, I got really into animation and like traditional animation in particular. And I came 
over to Melbourne and basically studied to sort of start doing animation, but through kind of an art school, basically. So yes. I wanted to do kind of experimental, hand-drawn 2D animation. And that was at RMIT? At RMIT, yeah. yeah. Look, it was good, and I think animation is like... It teaches you a lot, work ethic-wise, and just, like, how much you have to do. Mm. Sort of dismaying doing doing animation? Yeah, I just, like, I think about that, that time in my life, and I can't imagine how I had that time, like, where that w- came from. I mean, part of it was I didn't have a, didn't have a job. Sure. <laughs> and I just... Well, your um, job was drawing pictures for my animations. My job was yeah. drawing constantly. I just kind of, I would work, you know, 10 hour days drawing and I can't imagine doing that now because I'm much healthier. <laughs> <laughs> Actually reminds me, I'm thinking of another comic influence is like Terry Denton, book, the children yeah. books. Yes. like little marginalia and stuff. Yes. I read those like nonstop uh, as a kid. Um, I, I, and I think like whatever makes you laugh as you're drawing it, you know, yes. throw yes. it in there. Don't, yeah. don't worry about it. Don't worry about the reader. <laughs> Very, well, yeah, and, and just you get a sense with Terry Denton that, that, that they are chortling, you know, they are guffawing as they, mm, as they mm, drug. It's mm-hmm. that idea that you draw, you draw something funny, yes, but there's also wordplay curled around funny pictures, mm, um, mm. which I think that's something that you deliver very strongly in your, in your work. It's a, a particular offer, I think, of comics where it's not one picture. You know, it's mu- you know, you keep being picture after picture after picture after mm. picture. That's that's the nature of the uh, <laughs> not as much as animation, obviously, but yeah. that's the nature of the form. But when there's words curled around that in a particular fit, it bespeaks a sense of humour and a worldview. I mm. think, um, which is well, differently complete to a to a you know, a novel or a movie or whatever, it, it has this sort of neatness or, uh, f- yeah, again, f- this idea of fit. And and I suppose that's what really amazed me when I was re- reading uh, Turtlenecks. I was going, whoa, the the drawings do this job in this book and the words and the word play and, and the superstructure of the sort of the, the sort of the world parameters of it all fit together in a really neat way so yeah wow thanks so much (laughs) that's really kind (laughs) we'll get to that talking that in more detail in a minute but i just wanted to get you from melbourne rmit doing this animation and then a few years in new york is that right yeah it's more like yeah like four four ish years Mm -hmm. uh, four or five yeah I had a break where I did a big road trip in the middle of that but yeah four or five years in new york um in brooklyn and was that um, comic book? Yeah, was that yeah. intense comic book time, or was it comics to one side and you were doing more musicy animation? What, what was it? Uh, no, I'm n- not really a musician. Uh, I I'd kind of given up, well, hung up my animation um, uh-huh. gloves by then. After I I'd finished art school and I wanted to keep making work, obviously, but I was I sort of transitioned from doing these like really large charcoal drawings that I was doing, and I'd moved moved to New York where you don't really have the space for a studio <laughs> so and and charcoal just gets everywhere like I was just living and breathing charcoal Whoa. and graphite in art school and I needed something smaller and cleaner so I had this comics project which was my first book Arrowheads 
and I uh, I packed it up in my suitcase, and I, I don't know if I've told you this, but the pages, I just didn't know how big to draw a comic. They were like A0 size. So they're which just is like, massive. yeah, maybe eight times the size of the printing, <laughs> final printing, which is like not advisable. Do not do that. Was your idea, was the rationale there, oh, the more I shrink it down, the better it'll look? Or? Yeah, I hate to say that. It's exactly spot yeah. on. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd read that, like, you know, Daniel Klaus does really big ones, yeah. or like, you know, Chris Ware's originals are really massive. Sure. And, um, and I was like, Great, yeah, I'll just do mine really big. And also I'd been I'd been drawing really big. Yes. Like I've been drawing these, you know, two meter high drawings and I was like, Oh, I'll just pick a normal size, like and you know, which is A zero. A zero. How, how do you yeah. even transport A zero paper to the yeah, to it was the US? The exact size of my suitcase so in the <laughs> on the bottom of it. Um so yeah, I had this project and Okay, um, so sorry. Yeah. It had started before you left for New York. You had it this, had, yeah. yeah right. I had finished maybe the first 10 pages or something, okay. you know, like not heaps, but yeah. I'd kind of plotted it out. I had the script kind of done. And just for the listener at home, Arrowheads is the book that leads into uh, Turtlenecks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of got all the best jokes in it and it's also the prototype for what I think Turtlenecks becomes, which is like more substantial as a story. I guess with Arrowheads, uh, it was born out of all of my just kind of going around art openings and making jokes and then... Turtlenecks, I was thinking about, like, well, how could these characters move through the space in a different way? Mm. Like, and that's kind of where that eventually became an art heist. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that you could, that's the other way you can move through a gallery. Is it by, is. Yeah. <laughs> by stealing is stuff. <laughs> so, you've been, obviously, you're an art student, you go to a lot of openings, you drink a lot of bad red wine, mm-hmm. and, and making jokes with friends and mm-hmm. at friends and all that sort of thing. But how does that, become metamorphose into a like is is do you go wow this is a great situation i need to make a comic about this or i can't afford or don't afford the time to make an animation about how Mm. does what's what's the what what were you thinking i guess the way i was working with um doing my drawings i didn't see a lot of there wasn't a lot of room in that institution to be able to tell like a story and i just knew that i wanted to do that. Like I, ah. I wanted to make, I wanted to write stories. I wanted to, to do that. And that was what I knew, you know, write what you know. And, and I just, I guess those kind of jokes and stuff with conversations I was having in my head and eventually that became a script and then became drawings and sort of looped back around to the more kind of cartoony work I'd been doing as, you know, as a kid really. Yeah. I don't know like how it happened. And, um, and Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about characters then. Yeah. Like, so Jules and Sam and, yeah. and, and, and Stacey, yeah. were they squiggles to start with and became characters or were you, how, how did they, those guys Yeah, they, they were always kind of in that like clean line style, like yep. a cartoon style. I guess what I did was, was more in that animation kind of mode where you just draw it like, draw that character like a thousand times and eventually they kind of simplify and Mm. and sort of get boiled down to something really quite simple yeah something true to Mm. yourself i think you kind of just by drawing over and over and over again as if you're doing animation you eventually you just kind of naturally your hand just kind of finds these Mm. like simple shapes and as far as their characterizations go, they're just like the voices in my head, basically. They're just the conversations <laughs> I have I did with myself. Wonder whether um, oh, yeah, Jules is this yeah. person and no or Well or, it is it is parts of that. Like parts of it are like these friendships I had in art school kind of represent other the different characters, but 
I kind of I feel more like I'm I'm just all of them. Yeah, yes. but I've I've been diagnosed by by people as like, oh, you're you're definitely Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Sam is probably me, but yeah, sure. they're all me. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Uh, beautiful. So you take this work, you complete it in the US. This mm-hmm. is Arrowheads, the mm-hmm. first book, and then you self-published as Power Couple or? Moved over to the US and finished the book and then, yeah, self-published, just printed it my, myself with the help of my ex-partner and, yeah, put it out there. And How many did you print? How many did you print? Oh, I think I printed like 60. Um, oh, and wow. That, yeah. yeah, Arrowheads is kind of an open edition. I just print more when I, when I run out mm-hmm. and always just print it myself. I guess that's self-publishing. So, um, yeah, just had to work out all that. There's a lot to do to like kind of get something to print okay and yeah I think that was a really good like learning experience and trying to promote it myself I feel like with with self-publishing you kind of like there's no like real like road map to how to do it you just kind of True. go you know you pull on every contact you have I worked at, uh, in the MoMA design store for three months Perfect. and so I I got it on the shelf there just by knowing the person who bought the books <laughs> yep and yep. then took a photo with it there and then people see that and they're like oh my god amazing and yeah. it's like well they had one copy and it, you know it didn't sell <laughs> but, uh, did, you know. did Desert Island Comics in Brooklyn take take it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they've been good to me yeah. um, that's Gabe uh, Desert Island Island. That's all consignment, so yeah. don't like rush off to Brooklyn to buy that one. I don't think they've got any left. <laughs> if you want these books, go to readings. I'd probably go to readings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in Carlton. Um, okay, great. So, mm-hmm. so, so that one gets finished, and you go. I'm just going to make this stuff up, but you tell me whether it's right or not. You go. Ah, oh, next time I'm going to draw the pictures a bit smaller, but I want to do another one. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I, I felt like I had more more to tell with these characters. I really just liked them a lot. Um, and just if I can interject, yeah, you reader will like these characters as well. Like, <laughs> they, they are. You feel very like you know them. As Stephen was saying a moment ago about the drawing and drawing of them, they feel incredibly inhabited from panel one. They are already living and very specific uh, visual signatures, but also ticks, character ticks. So uh, you know, you really. You're with them and you're on their side. So I, I Again, can imagine. Too kind. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really great. So, yeah, more to tell with them. But, and did you think. I'm not going to pu- never going to self-publish again in my life. That was awful or no, not no? at all. I actually I just finished the book and then I pitched it. I was working on this thing while I was working at a cafe. It was just kind of my, you know, what I did on my days off. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of a funny project where uh, I decided to color it with pencil by like with colored pencil arrowheads as well no arrowheads is digitally colored okay, okay um each kind of one is like a new sort of thing for me to learn because i'm not i actually just was one of those people that never drew in color yes. or like ever ever i was just like i'm black and white for yep. life you know <laughs> um you know i was a but sad pal- child <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a very coherent palette across the two mm. but there's obviously more texture in 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 turtlenecks yeah but but can you talk a little bit about that about that palette? It's sort of a pastel. It's quite soft. Yeah, to the it's colors. quite a yeah, it's quite a soft palette. I think the reason for going to the color was actually more of a not of kind of thinking about the reader and like how I, I was doing these like very like you know wireframe clean line drawings, and I was looking at my pages and I was like, it's quite hard to see what's happening because I'm using the same width pen for every line. Yeah. So color actually kind of is a really good tool for like helping direct the eye. Yes. 
yeah, with the book as well, like people often ask me about the decision to make all the background characters mm. are all the same mm. kind of faded kind of colour. Yes. And people are like, oh, that's so ingenious. But it was actually really just a draw the eye to the to the main characters. You know, I, there was a bit of thought that went into it as well. But, <laughs> but I did, like it was a kind of to draw the eye to the right place on the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, the other thing about background characters, I think, is well, I really wanted to, uh, another thing I really wanted to talk to you about was that very much the setting of these books were in, were in galleries, were in artist studios, mm-hmm. uh, were on the street, but you're also feeling like you're sort of in the Star Wars cantina, like people have <laughs> dog heads That's, or people yeah, have... Uh... Star Wars is a big influence on me. <laughs> I, I watched that, like, although specifically I watched Return of the Jedi over and over. Like, that really? Because we only had that on VHS. Fantastic. Yes. And I think, like, the first couple of minutes were cut and they had, like, my dad had taped, like, a soccer game or something <laughs> over it. And so it was just like, yeah, I just watched that over and over again. And I have memories of my brother reading the subtitles to me. So I... I guess I could not read when I was okay. watching it. Subtitles for who? Jabber or someone? Or? Jabber, Jabber, the yeah, heart yeah, of the yeah, star. Right, 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 um, right. And I think maybe his like assistant. Sure, um, sure. Uh, oh, uh, Wormhead God, Imagine guy. if I knew the name of that guy. <laughs> now, that would be uh, <laughs> sort of impressive and disturbing at the same time. Uh, uh, yeah. Just a producer's note on the side. Hmm. Um, Jabber's assistant is called... Bib Fortuna. <laughs> Bib Fortuna. I should have known. I should have known. And if you remember, there's also like a little small kind of gremlin thing next uh, to Jabba. Uh, uh, he's called... Oh. He's called... He's called... That's not Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb. Yeah. Salacious Crumb. Yeah. Oh, my God. Superb. <laughs> anyway, back to the conversation. Back to the oh, conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Th- uh, uh, thanks to Nico, we, we've now uh, rem- remembered or that uh, the worm head guy uh, who helped out Jabba. Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. Yes, Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, but actually, I sorry to just sort of jump in on mm. Star Wars. I know everyone knows Star Wars, but I actually really, that's kind of key to my like way I tell stories, I think, is that I really love that feeling of just like jumping in and not knowing the context of what happened before. Like, yes. like I just, I really in, had a pretty like foundational experience watching just the six Star Wars, I again guess, and again um, and again. over and over yes. again and piecing it together, but really not, you know, it, it makes sense as a story, but I kind of liked just jumping in. Look, Star Wars, enormous shape-making text for me too. I think there's... There's some amazing world-building stuff. Very interesting to hear that you were watching Return of the Jedi over and over and over again as a kid because, to me, that puts me in mind of the experience one has as a kid, I would say particularly of comics, where you read them and get they sort of get mm. playing a record again and again. You know, it sort of really instills yeah, absolutely. A, a feeling for what's right or what, what, what works or what you want to do, mm. you know. So they're, they're very interesting sort of mnemonic sort of spells or something. Totally. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Star Wars is just so good at making a world, basically. Yes. Um, and there's like, you know, there's other examples of that sure, sure. In, in throughout, you know, pop culture where by just, yeah, I feel like you just, you feel like you're stepping into this lived world. And that's what I tried to do with Turtlenecks where you'd have all these background characters and you're like, well, what's, what's this guy's deal? What's, what's this guy? And my other influence would be like Mobius um, yes. was an obvious one. And that's such a, cursed influence to have because you will never no. be as good at, so, so at quick, that. <laughs> quick, quick read a note. Moebius, one of the great star, like the great star maybe of Bon Dessine, French comics, died mm, 10 years ago, something mm-hmm. like that, but just uh, went from Western comics, but very, very famous for his science fiction yeah. uh, comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just amazing world building and yep. 
yeah, great artist. Um, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. The turtleneck story. So you've got all the art finished, not on A0 paper. Mm-hmm. I A- think it's A2. A2. I think it's down to A2. It's only four times bigger, <laughs> which, again, <laughs> I didn't mean to do, but... It's hilarious. Did you must have, gone, must have gone through quite a few coloured pencils. I just- did. <laughs> Actually, I have this. I drew a lot of it during the lockdown in uh, COVID in Brooklyn. And it was one day I just ran out of the skin tone for some of my characters. I was like, ah. And all the, sh- all the art stores were shut. Like, they're just gone. Like, they're not opening. And I put the call out on Instagram. And a friend of mine came through and was like, yeah, I've got it. But it's across town. So I walked an hour because I obviously I'm not going to catch a bus. So I, I wore like, you know, just like scarf over my head, I think. And, you know, just walked across, across Brooklyn. It took a really long time <laughs> to get there. To get and the- they lowered it on from their second floor <laughs> apartment on a string, like this bundle of pencils. It was extremely like obnoxious Wes Anderson moment. Well, uh, look, I, was, yeah. Or even a bit of a turtlenecks <laughs> moment, you know, it was a, you, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. A great story. Yeah. A great story. <laughs> did you take it around to a few publishers or just to ad house? Did you know those people? I didn't have a lot of connections. I think I, I might have sent it to Drawn and Quarterly and Fanographics, mm. but not to their email, to their, like, bucket of submissions yes. there. Um, I didn't hear back. And then at House I'd met at a festival, Boston, Massachusetts Comic Festival. And, yeah, I'd met, met Ad House there, and he was like, yeah, this is this is good. Like, let's do it. Fantastic. But the book was done, so it was just a, yeah. They just, they, all I had to do was push print. No, just push print. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, he, he helped us on the book. <laughs> Chris is great. <laughs> I love Chris. And now that Ad House uh, no longer, that, mm-hmm. that publishing house are no longer, are you printing uh, Turtlenecks as you need to, or have you still got enough of the original printing I've, run? I've got like enough copies left for now, but Ad House never have any kind of interest in owning rights. Like they're just, uh, they're very friendly to like, uh, it's sad we lost them because yes. they're extremely friendly, like to, um, in terms of creator rights and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I own everything, which is great. And then I can just kind of keep going forward if I, if I'd like to. That sounds like a very good segue into our final piece of conversation, which is about uh, the great news that the mighty Glom press, local press have, got you and a bunch of other creators, but you to make a series with these characters. Is that correct? It is correct. Their project is they're going to be producing like long form projects with, with artists and they'll be releasing them serially as kind of like sort of smaller, lo-fi kind of reso printed projects, like affordable. You can just pick them up, you know, and they luckily they chose me as one of their artists and I'm going to use basically be writing the sequel for Turtlenecks have not really I've I've been you know piecing stuff together in the script but uh, I haven't really like locked it in yet kind of looking at like the Turtlenecks characters as where do they go from here like as a collective you know yeah yeah that's what yeah that's extremely exciting do you know like is it five part three how many issues is it going to be or are you still working that out at the moment still working that out probably five or six for me I think it's maybe four for each artist as a minimum, I yeah, think. Okay. Um, I, I just can't, I can't tell you how excited I am certainly about yours, but just that ad as a project, because I think the seriality of comics is something we lose, of course, when we move to a graphic novel sort of format where you read to the back and then the back 
the cover is the end of the story. Mm-hmm. I think there's an essential magic or movement or action in comics, which is that you get to the end and you go, I wonder what, you know, that, yeah. what's going to happen next yeah. time. You know, Batman's hanging off a fridge or something like that. You wonder, well, how's he going to survive? You know, get, yeah. That, so, Absolutely. And your, your imagination is sort of suspended into a speculative sort of yeah, mode. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I'm looking forward to like, how do I think about my comics in terms of that? Of yeah. like, how do I make, is this a serial or like, is this like, how do I have those? Oh, I need the next issue moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm looking forward to that as a challenge yeah. um, for sure. And I think like doing maybe less intense with the colors will will free me up to do more like radical things in the story. Yes, indeed. Yeah, which um, I- the fact that it's printed Rizzo, um, an influence on how the thing gets coloured? Yeah, I yeah. think um, this one will just be single issue, like single yes. colour reso. So gotcha. I'll be, I, I can probably do grayscale, but yeah. it'll likely just be, yeah, not not the like coloured pencil stuff. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Fan- yeah, fantastic. A, a, a new visual element every t- every 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 book, every project. It yeah. sounds like. Yeah, well, I I think it frees me up to um, throw in some big thick bits of black in the, Woo. you know, in the inking style that I uh, haven't turtlenecks before. Yeah. So, um, is there a name or is it a, a working title or? A... I can give you the working title for my project. Yes. Uh, I don't know if Glom have one for their project, yes. um, but mine is Good Praxis. Nice. Is the title. <laughs> um, <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's um, wrap this so that you can get back to the drawing board. A great delight to, to talk to you about this world that you've made and it, its ongoing nature. And, uh, as I note with delight on the back of Turtlenecks, it's um, designated its genre is sci-fi slash art, which I just think <laughs> is a great. I want to write anything that's sci-fi art. Sci-fi art, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, Bernard. That's thanks. so sweet. Great. See you, Stephen. Bye. Bye. As Bernard and Stephen mentioned, both Arrowheads and Turtlenecks are available from Readings, and from our website, where you can also stream previous episodes of the Readings podcast. You'll also find all kinds of other recommendations, great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to eNews, or to receive our free monthly newsletter, The Readings Monthly. The Readings podcast is produced by me, Nico Callaghan. This show's music is by Tom Hoskins and Bernard Calio, respectively. All episodes of this show are recorded and produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to acknowledge traditional owners of this land and pay my earnest respects to elders past, present and emerging, and to all First Nations people. Thank you.